Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, part two of an ongoing series on targeted individuals a longtime victim and now activist, speaks out. I would say the first 20 years were really the struggle because I was alone in trying to deal with this huge conspiracy, this whisper campaign that was brought upon me by the Department of Defense. So for about 20 years, I kind of dealt with it and thought that I was the only person being victimized by the U.S. government. However, um, after the Internet came along, I discovered that there was a community of other individuals who are also being victimized and some are in very horrific ways. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain access to premium episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. My introduction to electronic harassment, targeted individuals, came from a, a loyal listener of mine way back in my early days in broadcasting, Eleanor White, who is a long-time targeted individual, and she told me most of what I know about electronic harassment, torture, surveillance. She's also a long-time advocate for fellow targeted individuals. And then my uh, my next introduction happened during the taping of my old television show, The Conspiracy Show, which aired across Canada for four seasons on Vision TV. 
and it, I think it was season one, we produced an episode on electronic harassment, and we flew this gentleman up to Toronto from his home in Cincinnati, Derek Robinson, and I was I was struck by uh, his sincerity and his kindness despite uh, his decades of anguish and suffering. And since I met Eleanor and Derek, I've been in contact with probably close to a 100 people who believe they're being targeted for electronic torture, harassment, surveillance. Let's get Derek Robinson in here, Executive Director of PACTS, People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International. Derek, how are you? Hi. Great, Richard. Thanks very much for being here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It's been a long time. I guess it's probably been, what, maybe close to 10 years since you and I sat down and talked for the TV show, 2010, somewhere around there. How have you been? Things are well, and things are improving uh, in the community since we've talked. There's a lot more activity. There's a lot more exposure to the issues, particularly since the news story about the diplomats in Cuba and China Yes. Microwave symptoms very close to our own. So we're watching closely that development. So it's very, very important story. And for you personally, because you are a long time targeted individual, this has been going on with you for decades. How are you personally doing? Personally, I'm doing pretty well. I would say the first 20 years were really the struggle because I was alone in trying to deal with this huge conspiracy. This whisper campaign that was brought upon me by the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy that I had joined, and it kind of had turned on me. So for about 20 years, I kind of dealt with it and thought that I was the only person being victimized by the U.S. government. However, um, after the Internet came along, I discovered that there was a community of other individuals who were also being victimized, and some were in very horrific ways. So there's a lot of suffering in this community, and a lot of similarities to my own suffering, but then some are going way far beyond what I'm experiencing. So we're all being victimized at some level, and it's horrendous interference in our lives, and we're trying to find solutions for that. I would say that the vast majority of people that I've been in contact with who believe they are being targeted really have no idea why them. But you're a little different. I mentioned Eleanor White. She also comes from, I believe she was with the Army Corps of Engineers. So she believes that there's some connection there. So you believe it has something to do with your service in the Navy. Is that correct? Well, in my case, it was directly due to my service in the U.S. Navy. So all the uh, organized stalking and harassment started with me the last year of my enlistment while stationed at the National Security Agency in Fort Meade. So during that year, it was kind of a hassle uh, with all the harassment going on and everything. And I was hoping that when my enlistment was up and I returned home, then everything would be good again. And, of course, I discovered after a couple of days of being at home in Cincinnati that all of the stalking had followed me there. So for the next 20 years, I just kind of had to deal with it on my own there. It was rough, I would say psychologically and economically it was rough, but I managed to survive until I found the community and then everything just instantly changed from my perspective. Just tell me a little bit about those early days when you were being targeted. First of all, were they targeting you 
because of something you had seen, something that you know, or was it simply you were a guinea pig? Well, in my case, it was persecution, and it had to do with sexual orientation. I believe that they suspected I was gay in the Navy, and they began to stalk and harass me because of that. So it was every minute of my day was surveilled, which complicated my interactions with other people because they were also spreading all kinds of rumors and tales among my fellow servicemen. So that kind of made things difficult, and I became sort of like a pariah in the community. It was kind of rough, and I was hoping that by the time my enlistment rolled around a year later, that perhaps that would wind up. But they were basically just getting started. And that's been, what, 30 years ago now. That, that was November of 82 when I left the service. So nearly 40 years. That's going on 37 years. So four oh, decades. Yeah. Now, once you retired from the Navy, why would they continue to harass you? Well, I couldn't understand that either. You know, when I first discovered they had followed me home, I thought, well, maybe about six months and all this will wind up. But they kind of let me know that they were there for the duration. And I believe they intend to, I'm 65 years old now, and I was 28 when this started. So they intend to have this campaign continue for the rest of my life. I believe that there'll be some type of intervention. I believe that so much is coming to the surface lately that in some way this will be discovered and all of this harassment will be stopped. So I believe that that is coming. I would say within the next couple of years because of so many developments that have happened. And it's because of the community, because we have banded together and have promoted our cause in so many areas. And uh, in so many ways, it's coming to light. And that is starting to pay off. I'm guessing the technology has changed dramatically. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. In the last three and a half decades, we're not talking about crude microwave weapons uh you know i've seen illustrations where you can turn a microwave oven into a into a microwave weapon you just take the door off and you can sort of point it in a certain direction and so forth but back in the early 80s you mentioned that you were being surveilled are we talking about like remote neural monitoring or was it something more crude back then well it started with basically the stalking harassment and then it gradually went to things like, well, they were able to access my thoughts at one point. And that was kind of traumatizing at first when I realized that that had happened. And then it went to things like the voices. I could hear them talking to me and other things like ringing in my ears. And the technology is such that if you can hear their voices, which means they have access to certain areas of your brain, and which meant that they could also see through my eyes. They had access to my visual cortex, uh, my auditory cortex. They could speak to me and I would, I would hear them. They would hear my thoughts. All of our five senses they were able to access because of the technology had access to certain areas of my brain that governed those activities. So all my five senses they could pick up on. Whatever I saw, they saw. Whatever I could hear, they heard. And all of my thoughts 
were also audible to them. Even my feelings, they could even feel what I was feeling. So it was, I was totally, completely compromised in that way. I know they've had voice-to-skull technology since the early 70s, and you can see the patents online. Clearly, that technology exists. Uh, but I didn't realize that they had remote neural monitoring that far back. We're talking nearly 40 years ago. When you, when you discovered, realized that they could read your thoughts, how did, how did that come about? How did you know that they could read your thoughts? Okay, well, actually, what happened, uh, I discovered it, uh, I was on a, I was a delivery driver, and uh, I was out on the road, I was, I was working for a flower shop, and I was thinking something about my boss that was not necessarily uh, complimentary, um, and then um, when I got back to the office after delivering flowers, I noticed that people were acting, the body language was, was different. They were acting a little bit standoffish, and I happened to look over at the boss, and he had this sheepish grin on his face. And then I heard from one of the coworkers the exact words I was thinking out there. And I was, it was then that I realized, oh, my God, they have uh, uh, invaded the last bastion of privacy that I have. So that was the moment that I realized that uh, they had um, had accessed uh, my thoughts. What um, happened? Were you fired as a result of that? I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't uh, actually fired. Uh, it made things a little awkward at work for a while, um, but I was able to maintain my relationship with them uh, cordially until they did let me go finally. And had to do with uh, it probably had to do with the harassment. They had some excuse for letting me go. It was maybe a couple of months later that that, that finally did happen. And actually, and there was there was a patent. Now this was back in 1980. That's about 1986 when this occurred. But actually, there was a patent um, that was um, that was the basis for this technology that was patented back in April of, two, of, of 1976. And this was an apparatus and method for remotely monitoring and altering brain waves. And it was a patent uh, by Robert Malik. And uh, this was, uh, according to Robert Duncan, who was one of the scientists in our community, this is really the patent that was the basis for remote neuromonitoring and a lot of the technology, the invasive technology that we are experiencing in our community. Has it been difficult for you to hold down a steady job? Um, it was when I was in the workplace uh, from 19, early 80s until I left the workplace in 2009. It was extremely difficult because every day was some new challenge from my bosses. Rules would, would materialize out of thin air, so I'd have to constantly adjust my uh, my work activities to what uh, was being handed down from my bosses who were being instructed by these uh, by the harassers, by the stalkers. So um, in other words, your your colleagues, your employers 
were were part of this organized stalking. In other words, they were brought in, they were brought on board uh, to to just further your torment and your your anguish. How are how are they brought on board? Are they paid? Well, you know, they were probably, um, from what I could tell, they were kind of um, uh, brought in as co-conspirators, I guess you could say. Um, they went along with the program that was laid out for me by these uh, by these stalkers, by the government stalkers. Uh, wherever I, I end up working, they approach the bosses, the supervisors, and say, well, this, this, and this is what we want you to do, and people cooperate. And so uh, whatever they have to make my day more difficult uh, from the stalkers, the bosses seem to cooperate uh, rather smoothly. And uh, and in, in most instances, I was able to, you know, to do whatever they were asking, uh, no matter how, you know, increasingly difficult the tasks were. Um, I did manage to survive as long as I needed to. And and when you were discharged from the Navy, I mean, did they try and fool around with your, your pension? I'm assuming you received a pension? No, um, I was only in for seven years, so I uh, was not eligible for a pension. Ah. And what about family? Uh, siblings, um, parents, did they attempt to sort of separate you from your family, pit your family members against you? Yeah, I feel that at certain times um, they they do try to co-opt family members uh, to do things, to say things, to make you know relations more difficult. Um, but I'm able to navigate my family relationships pretty well, and um, we're we're a good family, a cordial family, and it's it's been fine. What are some of the other symptoms if people are sitting here listening and thinking, wow, you know, could I be a targeted individual? Uh, you mentioned voice to skull, but everybody, not everyone is the same. They target people in different ways. What are some of the other um, hints or, or um, symptoms that you might be targeted, Derek? Okay. Um, the voices is one of the... Um electronic harassment uh, modalities um, and for those that um, experience severe electronic harassment there are things like burning on their skin um, their, their eyes uh, sometimes um, uh, their vision gets blurry uh, there is, there is a, a memory loss there are headaches um, there is forced speech. People are forced to say words that they don't mean to say. Uh, there are nosebleeds, uh, breathing difficulties, uh, even even heart uh, arrhythmias or heart attacks. Um, they're able to induce really serious, you know, physical conditions. Um, uh, muscle cramps are also a very common symptom, as well as um, uh, joint joint pains. Uh, there's a lot of ways that they can remotely influence uh, a person physically. Um, so, to some extreme uh, extent, in in some cases, 
um, there are people that are hospitalized every year with very serious conditions and in very rare cases, but a few, um, in a few instances, people do pass away. We had a rash of people last year at the beginning of 2018 who uh, were passed, who passed away due to their um, severe attacks. Um, so it, it does happen. It is rare but some people do uh, succumb to their injuries. So this is a very, these are very serious assaults that happen to those that are really afflicted with electronic harassment. So it's really important that we bring this to the public's attention. What about the use of, of um, implants in order to, for example, uh, take over so that they can see through your eyes, so they see what you're seeing? How is that accomplished? Well, I guess there's a, a variety of ways that that can happen. And there's uh, various uh, theories about um, how that occurs, whether it's um, by implants. Uh, nowadays, they don't really have to use implants, but we do find that some people are implanted. Um, there are also nanotechnologies that are found in some people and uh, during the days when Melinda Kidder, who was a um, detective in Missouri, uh, she was doing a lot of scanning uh, sessions for those in our community. And she would discover these nanotechnologies that were riddled throughout people's bodies. Uh, she has since discontinued her service because of um, hassle and harassment that she was receiving from um, these these shadowy types, I guess, are government. Uh, we presume that they're government uh, for the most part. Um, so she discontinued her service, but uh, but she was able to detect uh, implants and also the nanotechnologies that affect our physical bodies. And how about for you personally, Derek? Do you have implants? Uh, well, actually, uh, Richard, I was. Uh, scanned back in 2011. Uh, there was a guy uh, named Jesse Beltran who was uh, crisscrossing the country uh, my, uh, scanning people for microchips. And this was during a time where we were just kind of learning the ropes in terms of the equipment to use and so forth. And uh, at that time it was free because all of this was kind of experimental on our part. So um, in my case, I was scanned and found to have like um, about six or seven microchips, uh, one in my jaw and in my forearm, on uh, the back of my neck, and uh, some other places I can't recall right now. But there are several, several places that were found to be emitting frequencies. And uh, what was interesting was that he noted that the frequencies that, that he was picking up were military frequencies. So myself and one other person in the room at that time, we were both emitting, uh, we were the only ones emitting military frequencies. So in my case, that was entirely you know, appropriate. And at what point in your life do you imagine they were able to implant these nano nano chips under your skin? Did you have 
elective surgery? Was it during a trip to the dentist? Do you do you have any idea? Well, um, I thought about that myself. You know, when I could have been implanted, uh, and it could have been a dental dental visit, um, and that happened just before I left the service. Um, one of the things they do besides the physical is a visit to the dentist, and it could have happened there. Uh, could have been implanted or something. So, um, possibly, possibly at that time, but I don't know specifically if, uh, I haven't had other operations or beyond that, so I'm not sure when exactly it could have happened. Tell me more about forced speech. Does this affect you? Do you find yourself blurting out inappropriate things at inopportune times? You know, I've heard of that happening, but in my case, um, they're, they're sometimes able to um, um, mess around with my speech, and sometimes I'm not as clear as I want to be. Um, but as far as forcing me to say words that I don't mean to say, that has not happened to me. And what about heart arrhythmia for you? There have been actually a couple of attempts. Uh, that I feel were attempts to give me a heart attack. And uh, fortunately, it didn't get to that point, but uh, I, I could feel that they were trying to induce something like that. And this is something they're, they're entirely uh, capable of inducing, and it just happens several times a year to people, you know, having heart attacks and really severe I do know someone, a friend of mine, that uh, is now suffering from an induced stroke. Uh, she was basically attacked. Um, she saw this car. She was walking out of, of work, and she saw this car that was kind of uh, going by, and then she suddenly felt some type of energy over, overtake her body, and she fell to the ground. And uh, she was rushed to the hospital, and um, she had had uh, some type of induced stroke. So they do have these these portable uh, devices that can induce a range of really horrendous physical symptoms. So this is a really serious situation for a lot of people. I'm, I'm guessing then if they wanted to kill someone remotely with a heart attack or a stroke, they could do that. Are they at that point? Yes, and it, and it happens sometimes. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific incident where that happened, like instantaneously. But um, in most cases, it's, um, it's over a period of time that people, you know, survive attack after attack, and it just kind of wears their body down to a point where they, the body just gives out. And a few people pass away each year uh, because of the slow kill effect. More of my conversation with Derek Robinson when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. I'd like to tell you about a health supplement everyone should take. 
Eighth Element from GetTheTea.com. Eighth Element is a combination of cordyceps specifically formulated to provide optimum health, endurance, and maximum performance for today's active lifestyle. Eighth Element from GetTheTea.com is a proprietary energy enhancement blend made from all natural ingredients and made specifically to increase actual energy and athletic performance. This combination has been found to stimulate the immune system and increase physical stamina and endurance. Eighth Element from GetTheTea.com is the ultimate cordyceps combination, the only one of its kind. Five strains of cordyceps are brought together from five different ecosystems to provide a superior performance edge, unlike any other performance product in the world. Build your stamina and increase your energy with 8th Element from GetTheTea.com. Use the code UNLIMITED and all your orders ship for free. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. All right, welcome back. Derek Robinson stays with us as we continue to delve into electronic torture and harassment, electronic surveillance, a remote neural monitoring, voice-to-skull technology. He is the executive director of a support group for targeted individuals, a growing community. Uh, as more people are waking up to this uh, horrible, horrible uh, targeting, and it's PACS International, People Against Covert Torture uh, and Surveillance. And um, we were in the middle of talking about how or whether you're being targeted more since you've become sort of a a public figure in this regard. And you said that when you do coast to coast, obviously a huge platform, what happens after you do coast, for example? Will the the voice to skull sort of ramp up or how how else are they targeting you? Um, Sometimes they make threats. before I would do something like in a major market like Coast to Coast. Um, but I don't do those very often, so that really is not an issue so much. So tell me about PACTS. Uh, how did it form? When did it form? How many members, etc.? Okay. Uh, well, we formed in, officially in January of 2016. Um, we have, we currently have about, about 2,000 that are on my email list that I correspond with uh, on a regular basis. Um, basically our mission is to the targeted individual community to help those who are being affected by electronic harassment and organized stalking. And we have basically become a haven for those who um, are experiencing the stalking and harassment and have nowhere else to turn, uh, who are victimized by microwave weapons and uh, directed energy weapons, as well as the, uh, the organized stalking. We have uh, a number of professionals even in our community. We have doctors, attorneys, engineers, scientists, psychologists, authors. Uh, we deal with city council officials. 
And we even, uh, you know, uh, well, lately I've been in correspondence with uh, someone from the House Judiciary Committee. So even um, those in Congress, and I hear that there are some Congress members that are also targeted. Um, we have a conference calls. Uh, our organization has um, calls on Saturday night and uh, Monday night. This is our uh, podcast. And let's see. Basically, our mission is is threefold. Um, it is uh, networking and support for victim survivors, um, advocacy of our issues to elected officials, and outreach to the media and the general public. Those are our three uh, areas that we focus on. Um, I would say that we have made lots of progress since we first started out in 2005. It's been increasing uh, year by year. And uh, it seems like the last couple of years, the uh, the progress has made a market. Uh, we've made some tremendous progress in the past couple of years, uh, particularly since um, the news story happened uh as I mentioned earlier, about the diplomats in Cuba and China, that has really um, um, exponentially increased our um, uh, our issues and brought them basically front and center to the American public. Uh, they are basically uh, the news. The mainstream news is basically starting to to speak energy, the directed energy weapons or microwave weapons. If uh, if we had sent those to the public, sent those terms to the public a couple of years ago, uh, they would not have been understood, uh, nor would they have been believed. But now we are hearing these terms uh, from hospital personnel, doctors, uh, uh, scientists, and so forth, who are actually uh, concluding that these diplomats were attacked with directed energy weapons or microwave weapons. So that is basically paving the way for um, for us to be taken seriously in terms of being victimized by these weapons. So as this story continues to develop in the news, I think that at some point our issues will be grafted in, and I think that would dynamically change the paradigm of our targeting. Have any, and these were uh, embassy staff, from Canada, even Canada, the United States, in in Cuba, uh, and China, I believe as well. Have any have any family members, anyone uh, involved in those embassies, have they and that have been affected by this? Have any of those people reached out to you? They have not, uh, basically, and it may have to do with the fact that they are under a gag order, not to, not to talk to the press at this time. So we haven't heard from them, although uh, at some point we may. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, in the meantime, we have uh, made contact with uh, the, uh, the doctor in Miami that examined the uh, diplomats. His name is Dr. Michael Hoffer, I believe his name is. Um, he recently did a uh, news conference with some of his colleagues and uh, uh, explaining uh, 
what exactly they they did when uh, they came to see the diplomats came to see him, and he began to use terms like directed energy weapons or microwave weapons. They were openly using those terms that we use all the time in the community, um, and this is to the mainstream press. So um, it seemed, and he also mentioned that he had been getting calls from all over the world from people who had uh, been suffering similarly. So um, several members of our community contacted him and were well received by his office and have appointments to to see him uh, late this month and early next month. So we'll see what happens with that uh, with those contacts uh, with his office and see you know how he you know plans to deal with targeted individuals that might come to visit him. So this could be very significant for our cause. So this is uh, really a, a very important avenue that could promote um, our issues, especially if we get acceptance by the medical community, because um, our relationship with the medical community up to this time has been very adversarial for some reason, and uh, they have basically uh, labeled many in our community as delusional. So many, uh, uh, certain percentage of our community have that label. Uh, but because of these events that have happened, all that could change uh, with the medical community uh, realizing and accepting the technologies that can affect a person remotely and uh, that taking, be, taking into consideration um we could now um, speak to police, we could talk to hospital uh, personnel, uh, potentially, uh, about microwave weapons, and uh, we'll be believed. So a, a lot is really at stake at this particular moment. What was happening with the embassy staff? Uh, what sort of symptoms, for those not familiar with the story, how were they being affected in uh, the embassy in Havana? Um, well, a lot of the symptoms that they were experiencing kind of mirrored uh, the things that we, our, many in our community are experiencing. Uh, the headache, the uh, loss of balance, uh, the memory loss, uh, cognitive issues, um, nosebleed. Um, and I think there was something about heart arrhythmias. I'm not sure about that. But um, a list of symptoms that kind of matched um, the things that we are experiencing. Um, sleep deprivation is very common in our community. I think that was one of the things they were also experiencing, as well as uh, certain sounds, um, you know, that they were hearing. Uh, many in our community experienced that as well. So a lot of things paralleled um, with diplomats are were experiencing and still are some are still still experiencing those uh, symptoms they parallel the things that we are also experiencing so we're going to see if um, we can also be recognized um, as victims of directed energy weapons and microwave weapons and therefore start to receive some assistance and recognition for this issue you mentioned that someone from the US House uh, Judiciary Committee uh, had reached out to you. Um, can you tell me uh, when this happened and why and, and what was discussed? 
Um, basically, this happened a couple of months ago, and this is uh, an individual that is an office. She works in the office, I believe, and the judiciary committee, um, the committee office. And uh, I was astonished. You know, I asked her what type of work she did. She and she lived in D.C. I asked her what, what she did, and she told me she worked in the judiciary committee. And I was astonished at first. So this is not a congressman, a congressman or a congresswoman. This is a, a staff member uh, who right. works for a congressman who's on the on the judiciary, judiciary committee. Exactly. And okay. Um, but I also understand that um, it, it's rumored. I haven't. I really cannot verify this, but there are rumors that some uh, actual Congress members are victimized as well. But we've heard that all along, basically, uh, from the very beginning. We were told that uh, there were some in Congress who were also victimized by this technology. To what extent, I'm not sure, because we haven't spoken directly to them. How readily available is this technology? If it's just rejigging a microwave oven, so, for example, if someone in the apartment next to you and again, a lot of this information is available online. The technology, the crude, more rudimentary uh, technology is available online. Could anybody with the means and the um, the wherewithal have access to this technology? Or are we talking about really sort of top-level, uh, you know, black ops? Well, we are talking about uh, black ops, in my opinion, and some really advanced technologies that could create just unbelievable effects on the human body. Although, at the same time, I've seen uh, on YouTube uh, videos where people uh, demonstrate that uh, you know they can take a microwave oven and create a directed energy weapon from it. Right. Uh, so that is possible for. Um, a lay person to create some type of a microwave weapon just, you know, from their, from their uh, microwave oven. So that is possible. I, I mentioned that because one of the people that I interviewed for, and you may recall uh, her name, um, she was in the, the same episode that you were in. I went to New York City. Uh, I met this woman who lived in uh, an apartment I believe it was on the Lower East Side, if memory serves, and she was a quite, it was a a lovely apartment, uh, but it was rent controlled. And she believed that someone living beside her or above her or below her was targeting her. Um, They wanted her out of the apartment because they wanted a family member to move in or something like that. In other words, this was not sort of a, you know, a, uh, someone, in a government agency doing this, this was someone who maybe they they just wanted her out for personal reasons. Right. We have found that this technology has gotten into the hands of the private sector as well. And there's all kinds of agendas that are going on. Uh, people that have vendettas against an individual for one reason or another um, have access to these microwave weapons, and they are just now becoming um, uh, known to the public. Now, we've known about them, of course, for years, but um, 
But yeah, there are those that have their own private agendas that are using this technology to cause suffering to, uh, you know, regular citizens. What about organized crime? Are they using it? Um, again, we suspect that they are. There are some members in our community that feel that they are being victimized by organized crime, the mafia, or whatever. And uh, those, uh, it seems that these criminal groups have access to this technology, um, whether it be drug ring, sex ring, um, uh, organized crime, all of those types, uh, these criminal types, um, seem to have access to this weaponry. I believe it is because of those, um, uh, the shadowy elements of our government that kind of um, are in contact with shadow, shadowy, el- uh, shadowy elements of our society, and they kind of work hand in glove. So um, it's not surprising that these individuals would also have access to this technology. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to share a few details about an upcoming episode. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule, ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today. Coming up next time, more of my conversation with targeted individual and victims' rights advocate, Derek Robinson. Mental patients, drug abusers, have always been on the forefront of human experimentation, and so it is with this program. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>